Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and on today's Friday Birthful Story, I'll be talking with Vanessa Janik about her recent home birth. A former labor and delivery nurse, current childbirth educator, and self-declared birth junkie, Vanessa thought she knew what to expect from birth. Going into it, she was a bit leery of transition, but nothing could really prepare her for the exhaustion, fear, and overwhelm she felt when contractions went away, just after she got to 10 centimeters. How did she get past those feelings to push her baby out? Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thank you so, so much for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, you know what to do. Subscribe so you don't miss a thing. All right. So Vanessa Janik is here to share her home birth story today. And we're going to take a deep dive into how it really brought her to her edge, taking her through every imaginable emotion as birth has a way of doing. Vanessa, welcome to the show. I am so happy you're here today to share your story. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Ah, Very exciting. And so you know, you reach out wanting to share, and I really love that you had a unique perspective because you used to be a labor and delivery nurse um, and a childbirth educator. So tons of birth knowledge and experience. And how, how did that, you know, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how that colored your view of how you were going into birth and preparing. Sure. Um, so I did used to be a labor and delivery nurse for a very brief time. It was actually my first job out of nursing school and it was my dream job or so I thought. Um, and I got in there and it just became really clear to me. I became very unsettled, um, by a lot of the interventions that I was witnessing and that I was ultimately going to be responsible for, um, that I just wasn't comfortable with. Um, you know, it, as we all know, listeners to the show, um, labor is sometimes really heavily managed when it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, and it's not medically necessary in a hospital setting, depending on the hospital and the provider, of course. Um, but where I was, I just started becoming really uncomfortable um, with what I saw going on around me. And so ultimately, I kind of decided to stop um, and actually ultimately left nursing um, partially because of the experience I had had, but I still really wanted to be involved in birth. And so that's when I started my training as a childbirth educator, um, which really just solidified, you know, all the feelings that I had been having. And it was just so nice to be in a community of like-minded people who really saw birth the same way I did. Um, you know, especially low risk birth, um, uh, low risk pregnancy rather, you know, that it doesn't need to be so heavily managed if the woman doesn't want it to be. Um, and if things are, you know, progressing along with, um, a competent provider in a way that, um, suggests that interventions aren't entirely necessary. Um, and you know, there are benefits and risks to all sorts of interventions and it's just so important to be informed. And I, I always found in the hospital that a lot of times it didn't seem like laboring moms and families really were as informed as they could be. Um, and so it was, it was great to be in the cohort I was in when I was getting my childbirth educator certification because it just really, um, it was validating um, from my perspective. And it was great. And so I actually, I'm not teaching at this time because I have a very little one, um, but I hope to be in the future and I hope to bring, you know, my various perspectives to bear when I do start teaching. Um, so that's sort of where I came from. And so you're right. I had, you know, this 
cornucopia of knowledge about birth, but having not gone through it firsthand, um, it was it was all going to be very new to me. And I was trying to stay in that beginner's mindset um, mm. going into it. And I've got to say, I've got to I have a very special place in my heart for labor and delivery nurses because I know that you have to juggle so much, and yes. it's that there's yeah, it's like having to figure out almost conflicting forces coming at you um, definitely and how to figure navigate it all so i i do yes i i love labor and delivery nurses and really enjoy getting to know them and work with them and understand understand we're all people we you know like you said labor and delivery nurses usually if they're there is because they love birth Mm -hmm. um not because they wanted to manage it and do interventions Right, right. You want to be there to support moms, but it's it's so hard sometimes and there's so many demands on your time and a lot of, um, you know, prescriptions come from above you. And so it's you can only do so much in the end. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So yay, shout out to labor and delivery nurses. Um, I love you. <laughs> uh, and also, so wait, you said very little one. Tell us how old is your little one? So she is about nine and a half months old now. Mm hmm. Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And, she, and, and it's wonderful. your first birth? My first birth, yes. Okay. So with all, so did you do, aside from like all that experience you had with labor and delivery and and doing your child, you did your childbirth education certification before she was born, right? Yes. Okay. I did that a few years ago. Um, and But I did actually, I did take a class because, again, I kind of wanted to like forget everything I knew and just be in my own pregnancy and in my own birth as much as I could um, and not be too much up in my head about, you know, everything that could go wrong or everything that, you know, should slash does happen a certain way, which as we all know, every birth is so different. So I didn't want to, I didn't want those past experiences to color it too much, which is really difficult, but I, you know, I tried. So I took a class, which was amazing. Um, there was a lot of, it was really, um, heavily based on the book Mindful Birthing, um, which is a fantastic book and resource for anybody who's looking for um, that sort of preparation. Um, And there was a lot of, you know, breath work and meditation work and um, experiential stuff. We did the thing with the pot of ice water where you stick your hands in for the length of a contraction and um, all that fun stuff. So it it was great. It was it was really great. We did a lot of movement. Um, You know, it wasn't just sitting in front of projector looking at stages and phases of labor. So I did find a helpful did yeah, was the class named anything specific or it was just based on the on the book? Um, you know, I don't recall what the actual name of the class was. Um, I don't think it's advertised as being based on that book, but in the conversation I had with the educator prior to going, she had mentioned that that um, was one of her primary resources. And so I should look it up if I desired before the class. Got it. So physically, did you do anything to prepare? Physically, um, what do you mean by physically? So any, like what, what exercise, were you exercising in a specific way? Anything that you added or took away or did you do any body work? I did a lot of walking. Um, I, um, at the very end of my pregnancy, I started doing some of the spinning babies um, poses because I was becoming very, very pregnant um, and approaching and then surpassing my quote unquote due date. Um, And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that everything was as aligned as possible. Um, And something else I did actually the day before I went into labor and then the day 
I did go into labor. I went and I got acupuncture, um, which I wish I had been doing all throughout my pregnancy because it was really, really helpful. Mm. And how how was it helpful? It was helpful um, because it helped me to relax. And, um, you know, the person who was doing the acupuncture was just, you know, she, she was a great listener um, and she was really empathetic toward the fact that I was so pregnant and so, you know, ready to have this baby. Um, and so just having, you know, one more person to be sort of in your court and, you know, helping to try and move things along in whatever way they can um, safely at the end of pregnancy was just great. Yeah. And did you find that it would also like took away a little bit of stress of like, what can I do to like, yes. just having something to do? <laughs> Oh, definitely. And I, I had tried to um, push off doing any kind of, um, you know, even quote unquote natural induction um, until, you know, the 41st week because or 42nd week, I guess, rather, um, after I turned 41 weeks, um, because, you know, any induction is an induction, even if it's, you know, not medical. Um, and so I, I tried to push it off as long as I could. But finally, I just thought, you know what? I've heard great things about acupuncture. I'm going to go try this because, you know, I really want to get things going. And I think in the end, it really did work. Mm. And, you know, if we look at research, you, and you know this, that, that for first-time moms especially, the average of when they give birth is closer to 41 weeks. I think it is 40, like it's 40 weeks and six days. And so half of them give birth before that and half of them give birth after that. Right, right. But there's still, you know, and of course, I knew that. And I, I was anticipating going, you know, past 41 weeks, the entire length of my pregnancy, anytime somebody would say, Oh, when's your due date, I'd say, Oh, it's this date, but I'm sure I'll be late. Um, and so I knew that. But it's still it's so hard when there's pressure, because I was planning a home birth. Um, and my midwives were not um, allowed to attend me at home if I went past 42 weeks. And so there was that added pressure, even though, you know, you know that all of this is perfectly normal and okay and baby's healthy and she's still moving and everything's great. It's still that additional pressure of, you know, what's going to happen in the end and am I going to get the experience that I'm hoping for? Right. There was a clock, clit ticking, ticking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how did labor start? How did you know it was it? Well, the short answer is I didn't um, <laughs> because I had actually been having, I guess I'd call it prodromal stuff since about 38 weeks. Um, and so I, I would get contractions usually in the evening, um, and but they'd be really close together. They wouldn't be very strong, but they would be like, you know, every two to five minutes. And so of course, when this first started happening at, you know, 38, 39 weeks, I kept thinking, oh, maybe this is it. Oh, maybe this is it. But by the time I was, you know, 41 weeks and three days, I just thought, oh, this again, goody. <laughs> um, I'm setting myself up for, you know, a night of dashed hopes. You know, I, I kept hoping I'd go into labor, but it never panned out. And so by this point, um, it was a Thursday night and, these, um, I had had acupuncture that morning and I'd been doing a lot of, my midwife suggested that, um, I do a lot of, <laughs> they called it Beyonce booty shaking. And so I'd put on, you know, a YouTube channel and just dance around and move my hips and do all this stuff and do lunges and stairs and, you know, everything that I could think of. Um, and so I'm doing all of this and the, the contractions have started and I'm not convinced that they're real, but I figured, well, you know, I had actually been awake since about 3 a.m. that day, um, 
this was a Thursday and I just couldn't sleep because at the end of pregnancy, insomnia is a thing. And so I was, I had been up all day um, and I was really tired, but I thought, well, you know, I, I'm really trying to avoid this whole 42 week thing. So let me see if, let me see if this turns into anything. Let me try and be extra active and, you know, do my booty shaking and, and do my lunges and do my stairs. And, um, my husband was there and he, he was really, really tired. And so my contractions had started around six. He was helping me time them. And it was the same sort of pattern of them being really close together, but just not very strong. Um, and so finally, you know, I said, why don't you go to bed? Um, you know, I'll, I'll take over from here. I'm sure it will be nothing. And so he goes to bed and it was just me and our cat. And I had, you know, white twinkle lights up and I kind of kept looking at them and petting the cat and trying to get all the oxytocin going and bouncing on a big exercise ball. Um, and I was doing some nipple stimulation and I was just trying to get into a really good groove of just like just a big oxytocin fest. And um, things started to pick up just a little, which was new. Um, I remember I was on hands and knees and kind of rocking back and forth for a contraction and it kind of hit this, it, there was an edge to it that hadn't been there previously. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm going to be mad if this isn't real because this feels different. Um, and so things kind of kept going like that. And, um, eventually I started vocalizing and I started, you know, I put my hands on the mantle and was kind of swaying back and forth and my husband's sleeping through this whole thing. Um, and so I had Netflix going. I, I remember I watched a couple of movie musicals. I really wanted to watch movie musicals and, um, I just kept moving and I kept vocalizing and that was getting, you know, a little louder. And so finally it was probably around midnight and I thought I should try to sleep because again, I've been up since three this morning. So um, let me go try and lay down. And I tried to lay down and that didn't work. And at that point, my husband was like, okay, so is this real? Are we saying you're in labor? And I was like, I don't know. You know, this could still be just prodromal stuff. This might not be real. And you finally looked him in the eye and he was like, Vanessa, you have been going all night long at what point do we decide this is real? And so I think finally I was like, okay, this mm. is probably labor. Um, and so and I wait, didn't. Wait, I'm going to interrupt you for one second before you go on. Um, and uh, because we have to take a break, we'll be right back. And we're back. So Vanessa, it's been kind of, kind of decided, finally hinted, accepted that you are in labor. <laughs> yes, finally. Yeah. I was so happy when I finally admitted to myself that I was in labor. I was just so grateful and so happy that this was actually happening. Mm. And so, yeah, what happened next? So, um, so I couldn't sleep. Um, and so I just stayed up the rest of the night. Um, and at a certain point, you know, John got up with me and he was, you know, supporting me and doing some counter pressure where he could. Um, and I alerted my doula and I alerted the midwives, um, so that they knew what was going on. And, you know, they said, oh, well, you know, just keep us posted. And I said, okay, you know, I, I've, got, I've got this, I can handle this for now. Um, and I want to say it was probably around seven. Oh, no, the part of the story that I always forget when I'm telling it, we had this huge storm. It was literally, it wasn't in the forecast. It was just over our house, just this big thunderstorm. It was April. And it, it, no, we lost power and nobody else 
in any other town had this storm or lost power or anything. It was the wildest thing. And so, you know, I, I just kind of chalked it up to my daughter's strength. <laughs> um, there was something and, serious happening there. That yeah, night. there was Absolutely. something real, yes. very serious. And so that happened really quickly. And so we lost power which wasn't great because we had rented a birth tub from my doula. And of course we had to fill it and we needed hot water to fill it. Um, and so my husband, like he had bought a generator and he had never used it. We had never lost power in this house. We had never used a generator. This was the first time for all of this. And I am, you know, in labor, probably tending toward active labor at this point. And so he's running around trying to get heat and I'm laboring in the doorway. And so, um, I finally around, it was around seven in the morning and, I finally called the midwives. I had a couple contractions where I was like, okay, we should probably bring some people in because I had never been in labor before. And so I didn't know how close I was. I didn't think I was close, but what if things went quickly, you know, and they, everybody was about an hour or more away from my house. So I thought I should give them the heads up. So everybody showed up and things kind of slowed down at that point as I probably should have known that they would. Um, Totally normal. Totally you got people normal. in your space, yeah. Yeah, and so they kind of all cleared out, and they, you know, went to their own room while John and I continued doing what we had been doing. And, um, you know, I was still vocalizing really loudly, which was what I needed to do. Um, but the midwife who was on call, she wasn't the midwife who I had been working with primarily, although she would arrive later. Um, the midwife who was on call, who who came finally she kind of came over to me and she, she had this pep talk and she was like look you've been up now for over 24 hours you have to stop fighting these contractions the way that you are and let them do their thing because you're never going to have enough strength to birth this baby if you keep fighting them the way that you're doing and so she said you need to go upstairs and you need to get in the shower with your husband and do not come out until you can make it through your contractions by relaxing into them and not making a sound. <laughs> she was like, no nonsense. And mm. so I said, yes, ma'am. How did and that make so you feel, though? I thought she was crazy. <laughs> I thought I am, you know, vocalizing is working for me. Like, I'm never, this is never going to happen. It's the sensations were so different from what I thought. It wasn't crampy at all. It was just, it was like, this stretching sensation, um, you know, down below in places that I wasn't expecting. And it was really, it was intense. I mean, I, I felt like I was coping fine. Um, but I thought, you know, she's been doing this for a long time. She knows what she's talking about and it's worth a shot. And of course, you know, the, the shower is a great place to be when you're laboring. And so what, what could go wrong here? You know, this, this would mm-hmm. be good either way. And so we went upstairs and, somehow it worked. I I don't know how, but I was able to sort of get to a place where I could just relax into the contractions and just let them do their thing. And I actually, after that shower, I actually kind of took a nap in between contractions, which I did not think that I was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was just really wonderful and sweet. Um, and my husband was doing counter pressure while I, you know, was kind of laying on top of him napping and, you know, everybody was trying to, you know, give me little sips of things here and there and encouraging me to, to drink and to eat some. Um, and it was just, it was just a really sweet time, um, in labor. And, um, after that, 
there was, you know, I went, I labored outside for a while, I labored on the toilet for a while, which was super intense. Um, I think as anybody who's ever labored on a toilet will attest, it is really intense. <laughs> um, but it helped things along, I think. And then um, I remember coming back and sitting on our living room chair and, you know, eating a popsicle. And, you know, it, it was so interesting to me because it was like I'd have a contraction and I'd be so immersed in how intense the contraction was. But then when it was over, it was over. And you read about this and you hear about this from people who have, you know, physiologic unmedicated birth, um, that this is what it's like in between contractions, you know, at least before transition. But it was just so interesting to be in that. And it was like there were, you know, two versions of me, one that was in labor and then one that would take over and was just feeling fine. And so um, I remember, you know, sitting on this chair and eating a popsicle and kind of talking to people in between contractions like it was totally normal. And then at some point that kind of started to go away and everything started to get a little more hazy. And, you know, I should have known it was transition, but I didn't. Um, I thought that, you know, things were sailing along, but I thought I still had a really long time to go. And I had been at this point, I had been in labor for about 20 hours and I thought I was nowhere near the finish line and I was totally fine with that. I was like, I haven't been in labor long enough. Like this is, this is fine. This is, this is going great. It's so, so funny I, how time just warps. Yes. It warps so much. Um, but I also felt like I was coping really well in, you know, I anticipated once transition hit, I wouldn't be coping well at all and I would need a lot of support. Um, but I was doing okay. And so when my doula said, hey, do you want to get in the tub? I was nervous that it was too early and that I would slow things down if I got in the tub. And so I said, oh, like, you don't think it's too soon? And she said, no, I think you could get in the tub now. And so I did. And I just couldn't get comfortable. And it, it wasn't as pleasant as I wanted it to be. And um, then at some point, I I threw up and then I started you know, shaking and I started sobbing, but like my thinking brain was really confused by all this because I was thinking I'm coping. I'm fine. What, you know, this happens during transition, but I couldn't possibly be in transition because I'm mm -hmm. doing fine. And <laughs> of course the writing's on the wall. Like I was in transition. Um, and I wouldn't let at this point, up to this point, I hadn't let the midwives check me because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to be discouraged. Um, and finally, I let my midwife check me and I was 10. <laughs> and yay! the contraction. Yeah, well, it was yay, but it was also, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how? How am I 10? You know, this, this process, I'm not going to say it was easy. It wasn't easy, but it was just, it was much more, um, I don't know. I, I coped a lot better than I thought that I was going to. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I never had that moment of, oh, my God, I can't do it. Um, but that was still to come. <laughs> so uh, so I was 10 and the contractions stopped. And if anybody has listened to, um, is it Wapio who did the Holy Six Stages of Birth with you? Yes. A while back, um, that rest and be thankful phase mm -hmm. that comes, you know, sometimes after you hit 10. I think that's what happened. But I I couldn't rest and be thankful. I suddenly didn't know what to do because, okay, I was complete. There were no more contractions. And I think in retrospect, I was so tired because I had been awake for so long with just that tiny little like half nap in between contractions that 
I just, I hit a wall. Um, and you know, they said, okay, well, you know, you can push whenever you're ready. And I was like, what do you, I have no urge to push. I don't know how you push. Pushing means that I'm actually going to have this baby. And what does that mean? And my relationship is going to change and this is scary and there's going to be a ring of fire. And I actually have to get her down there and like push her out of me. And it just became so overwhelming. And I got just so disheartened. Um, and I, that, that was my moment of like, I can't do this. Um, and I think mostly, you know, it was the tiredness, but it was also that I, I didn't have the urge to push and I thought I would, I had in all my preparation for labor and, you know, even all the experience that I had had prior in other people's labors, it, it just, for some reason, pushing was just like my kryptonite. Like it just, it was, it was hard. Mm. So, um, Finally, did you were you able to rest then? Did you get to a place where you could just let things be or what happened? You no, know, I should have. I wish I had, but I was so freaked out um and just just sad and tired. I can't I can't explain it. It was just it was just really hard. It was just really intense and really difficult. Um and so yeah, I I totally should have just relaxed and like waited for the urge to push, but I think I was just so tired and overwhelmed that I I couldn't let myself. I wanted to to be doing something, but I didn't know how to do it because my body wasn't telling me. And I, it, in all honesty, I probably just wasn't ready. But, um, you know, contractions eventually kind of returned here and there, and I would try and push, but nothing would really happen. And finally. <laughs> they suggested getting out of the water because I just didn't want to be in the water anymore. I wasn't comfortable. And um, <laughs> I was like, how am I going to, that means I have to stand up. How am I going to do that? And so they helped me to get out of the water and we try different positions. And um, I, I remember I pushed, I did more contractions on the toilet and that's where my water broke. Um, and there were a couple of other different positions that that they had me in and I was actually toward the end of pushing, I was actually on the floor and, you know, lying down, which I knew, you know, if anybody were to tell you about the benefits of using gravity when you push and how great it is, it would have been me, but I was just so tired. So tired. Mm. So tired. So tired. And and so hungry probably and thirsty and, you know, nothing was staying down. And so it was just, it was just rough going. Um, And, so finally, it had been about two and a half hours of pushing. Um, and I definitely had that thought when I was pushing of like, you know, the entire time I was in labor, I never thought, ooh, get me to the hospital. Ooh, I want drugs. You know, I, that thought never crossed my mind that I wanted to be anywhere other than where I was. But at that point, I was like, I wish I had a vacuum or like forceps or somebody just get this baby out of me. I can't do it. Um which I didn't vocalize. Um, but it, it was just that feeling of like, it was just desperation, you know, at that point. And it had been so long. Um, and so finally, my they kind of set up, my midwife kind of set up um, like a makeshift birth stool, um, this little, you know, tiny step ladder with a, a meditation cushion on top of it. Um, and my husband supported me from behind. And so I was kind of squatting. And they set up a mirror and, you know, being, having been a nurse, these are all things that I would have suggested to, to laboring women and being on the other side of it. I just wanted no part of it. Like, 
you know, it got to the point where they could see hair and they were like, Vanessa, look, you can see her hair. And I just didn't want to hear about it because she was still so far up. Um, you know, she wasn't even close to crowning yet. Um, and so it was just it, it, looking back, it's comical um, you know because it's all, it's all the right things that you're supposed to do. But I just wasn't feeling it in the moment. But maybe they're not the right things. Right. You know, like, let's right. explore that. Like, maybe yeah. they're not the right things because at that point, what you need more than anything is to support that oxytocin. And that's not a thinking brain. So, you know, look at in the mirror. That's a thinking brain. You mm-hmm. know, talking to you, that's thinking brain. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. And it, it was funny because at the same time, we were, I was facing the front of our house where there are two windows and the windows have shutters on them. And all of a sudden, as I am in these last stages of pushing and just about ready to crash, um, we heard this kind of chirping noise and everybody was just obsessing about the chirping noise. And we figured out, oh, it's probably a tree frog. I say we figured out, but of course I wasn't part of this conversation. I was just there. <laughs> you know, trying to push my baby out and everybody was talking about the tree frog and how funny it sounded. And, oh, it must be on the other side of the shutter because it sounds like it's in the room and all this stuff. And I was like, hello, like I am, I am going to spend the rest of my days lying here because this baby's never coming out. What are we talking about? I was so mad at the tree frog. Um, And again, it's that thinking brain. It was sort of like pulling me out of probably where I needed to be um, just sort of in the moment. But, um, Looking back, it's really funny. And, you know, my husband and I always joke about the tree frog that sort of witnessed Isla's birth. Um, But anyway, so... Wait, hold on. I know the baby's coming, but we have to take a break. (laughs) Okay. Okay. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since My Life in a Book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. 
which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invest your money for you. For me, that's easy-peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Back to it. Like, I, d- I did the whole thing. Like, I just, I was just the tree frog interrupting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I was just the you know tree frog okay. interrupting. I like... made my peace with it. It's okay. <laughs> so what happened? So, okay. So at this point, she's crowning. And my midwife is listening to her heart rate with the Doppler. And so I can hear it. And she had done so great. My my daughter had done so great, you know, up to this point, tolerating this lung pushing stage. And at some point, she was listening to her heartbeat and it slowed way down. You know, typical fetal heart tones are like, da-da, 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 da-da. And this was like, da-da, da-da, da-da. And having been a nurse, I knew. Mm. Um, I knew. And my, to her ever loving credit, she was, my midwife was so calm. She just said, okay, Vanessa, she's got to come with your next round of surges. And I have to read you a piece of my birth story that I wrote here because I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I wrote finally after almost three hours of pushing, she crowned at one point her heart rate dropped and the midwives told me that she needed to come with my next round of surges. I don't even know if there was a contraction to be had, but at that moment, I bore down with every last ounce of strength I could muster, plus some more that I couldn't have dreamed that I had hidden away. There was actually no ring of fire, at least not one that I could detect. All that existed in those moments was pure brute will. Time was suspended, and nothing in the world mattered but bringing this baby earthside. And... I actually, I still get a little emotional when I read that and remember this moment because it's, it was for a few reasons. I think, you know, throughout my, my pregnancy and this labor, I really tried to connect with this baby, but I, I couldn't, um, for whatever reason. And I think, you know, partially cause she was my first and I didn't know what it would be like to have a child. Um, and so I did the best I could connecting with her, but I mean, especially through labor, I really felt like I was on my own and hearing her heart rate and knowing she needed to come and just doing what had to be done. It was like, it, there was no space for, for fear. It was just, I was 
you know, time stopped and it was like, I was just consumed by this love for my daughter and I pushed her out. And even though every piece of me said I couldn't, I did it. And it was like that moment was when I really realized that she was mine, you know, and that I was her mom. And it was just this incredible, powerful moment of when I first became a mother. And I think it was also, you know, I tend to be kind of an anxious person. Um, if there is a worry to be had, I will have it typically. Um, and it was sort of, it was just this moment of pure fearlessness that I've never experienced in my life where like, there are no thoughts in, in my head. It's just pure love. And there's just nothing else. It was, it was just, it was this amazing moment. And she was born and she, I, my husband and I both got to lift her up to my chest as she was born. Um, and that was it. And she, um, she sort of gave a little gurgle. She was really mucousy. Um, and then she was on my chest and yeah, and we were parents and it was just this amazing moment. Um, yeah, it was it was beautiful. Mm. That does sound incredible. That sounds, you know, like if we look at it, like if we were looking at this with a watch, that all that you've recounted from the moment they said she needs to come in the next, you know, with the next surges to when she was up on your chest, that couldn't have been very long. No, I, it was probably a, a minute. I, I, I couldn't tell you. We, we've talked about how time just kind of yeah. goes by the wayside. It was, but it, it felt eternal, but it also felt so short. Right. But like, look at everything that was packed and captured in that instant mm-hmm. that you just described. Like the universe. <laughs> the, it was, it, that, is, that is the only way to describe it, Adriana. Thank you. That's... Yeah, it's um, it, it was the universe. Yes, yeah. it's so crazy what birth can do. My goodness, it's so crazy. And and meeting her was just wild because I had this vision in my head, kind of this vague vision of what she would look like, and it it was something you know, newborns that aren't yours and that aren't you know a close family or friends have this just generic newborn look. They look like newborns. Maybe that's just me, but they, to me, they just look like newborns when you don't know them. And so I just kind of had this picture in my head that she would just look like a newborn. And as I picked her up and saw, and saw her face and saw what she looked like, it was, it was really truly meeting somebody in a way that I hadn't anticipated. And I sort of liken it to like meeting a radio personality who, you know, you've heard them and you feel like you know them to a certain extent. And then you see them in person or you see a picture and you're like, oh, that's who you are. It's, it's, it was interesting because I carried her for so long. And so I felt like I knew her, but then I, I truly met her and she was just, she was different than I expected, but she was just, she was perfect. And it was, yeah. All mm. so much in just one moment. It was just so much. And that's that's what, you know, I think so many people hope for in their birth. And I just felt so grateful that, especially for my first birth, that I, you know, I, I got this home birth and I got, um, you know, really no complications. And um, yeah, I feel really lucky. It was just, it was wonderful. Yeah. What time did she end up being born at? She was born at 5.40 p.m. 
Um, and so I had been in labor since about six the night before. So a full almost 24 hours. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, given that I someday want to start teaching childbirth classes, I, I had joked throughout my pregnancy that I really wanted the textbook birth, you know, first birth, like 20 to 24 hours, you know, each stage is X number of hours long and, you know, probably go to a little over 41 weeks because that's typical of a first time birth. And I really, you know, I got all that for better or for worse. It was pretty textbook. Um, even the pussing stage was, you know, it was a little long, um, but for a first time mama, you know, not without, not outside of the range of what's normal. Mm. Yeah, no. And I'm glad you brought up, uh, you mentioned the pushing stage again, because when you were talking about it, I didn't want to interrupt. But um, you mentioned Wapio, and I did a whole other podcast episode with her on rethinking the pushing stage. You did. And I wish that I had heard that before my birth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because... It's so good. Yeah. Did you hear it afterwards? I did. Okay. I did. Just maybe a month or two ago, I listened to it and it was amazing. I thought this is what I needed. So, you know, listeners, go listen to that. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the Cliff Notes is kind of like, it's you, your body doesn't, you're, it's physiological. Your body doesn't care if you're 10. Like, that's not your goal. Your goal is to right. have a baby. And <laughs> in between, you just keep doing the things you were doing. So... Mm-hmm. You are not like, can I be 10 so I can push? Can I be 10 so I can push? Because that's not, that's just a mild post. That's not the goal. Um, And actually, best to just let pressure build as much as possible until you have that irresistible urge to push. And if you are are not sure if you have it, it's not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you have to go like, hmm, is this it? It's not. (laughs) Right, right. Um. Because there is like, and and it's not just because we're being like, oh, so you don't push so long. It's because baby's head needs to be completely freed from the lower uterine section so that it can rotate because it comes in the top of the pelvis is wider front to back or side to side. So it comes in from the side and baby's head has to rotate and then extend. And it can't do that unless it's like really free from the uterus, not just the door open and the top of the head, but like you know, moved up to the level of their neck. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, that episode explains it a whole hour way in detail. Um, but the gist of it is that is there is exhaustion and, and things are harder if you start pushing before those things have happened. Yes, so true. And it's it's fascinating. And you've lived it. <laughs> and I, I have so lived sorry. it and I You've do wonder, <laughs> I do wonder, you know, if I had been able to just relax myself and, um, and just wait for the urge, um, how things would have been different, you know, if, if she would have been born sooner or even later, but maybe I would have been more, um, mentally and physically equipped, um, to do a more effective job pushing, but, um, you know, maybe yeah. next time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be fair, this is a very much of like the traditional way people push and how right. classes are taught and what is done in the hospital and like, like, and what midwives know, like, this is how, uh, and we're starting to rethink it, but this is how we've known. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense that it's a radical shift to think you don't have to push unless you want to. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I appreciate it because then there's less forces in your body. So there's less damage in terms of later pelvic health care. Mm-hmm. Um, but also 
because I think look, birth is not linear and that rest and be thankful phase has a purpose aside from baby rotating and you know it has a purpose I think for the mom as well to catch up to get that rest to have that space where to integrate all these thoughts that you were having of like <gasps> I have to push now and you know <laughs> that means I'm gonna be a mom and baby what <laughs> right that freak out yes. moment yeah yes yeah, that would have been nice to have. <laughs> next but, uh, time. Yeah, next time. Yeah, cool. So, Vanessa, what... I think we know, but what what was the hardest part of this whole story, or of this whole experience? Yeah, I, I think it's what you think. It, the pushing stage was just really hard. Um, and, you know, they were... There were a couple moments postpartum. I, I loved also the episode you did on postpartum stories just recently. Mm. Um, I think that's so important to to share those as well as birth stories um, because when you're preparing for birth, you're you're so in birth world, and then you have a baby, and then it's like, okay, now I get to learn how to do this next part. But it's trial by fire, you know. You're in it, um, and so you know there were there were some challenging pieces to that too. But overall, I think. It, where I really met my limits and had to surpass them even when I didn't think I could was definitely that the pushing that mm. was just really hard mm. and and you I love how you you know when met with that challenge you dug deep and deeper and surpassed what you thought you could do to get your baby out yeah yeah, not something that I thought that I would be able to do if you had told me beforehand. Um, so that was, it was it was just a really cool way to become a mom. Yeah, and thank you for reading that passage from your story because that was beautiful. Um, so, and also makes me want to ask you, when did you write your story and what did you find a value in writing it? I actually wrote my story within a week after she was born. I think it was just a few days after. And I remember writing it, you know, here and there in fits and starts when she was sleeping on my chest um, in those days right after she was born. We actually, we did kind of a baby moon where it was just my husband and I and our daughter. Um, my mom, who lives in town, got to meet her, you know, the day she was born. Um, but other than that, we just spent a week, just the three of us, um, just getting to know each other. Um, and so I had a lot of time to sort of process um, and just and in light of who she was, you know, sort of look back on the birth through that lens, um, you know, with her right there, right close to me as I sort of just put things together and, you know, asked my husband, like, well, what do you do you remember this part and what happened first? And um, I don't know that I would have been able to remember so many of the details if I hadn't written it right away. But at the same time, the details aren't entirely what matters the most. Um, and, you know, the feelings of it definitely have stuck around for, you know, will probably stick around for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, I'm glad I wrote it early. But um, I think, yeah, I think maybe it would have been a different story with time. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still glad that I wrote it in those first couple of days because I had the time to, you know, she's mm -hmm. my only child. So um, so it was it was a nice way to spend that time just getting to know her and reflecting on the experience. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Um, and, and we do need to like give this a big experience. It needs a time to be processed for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the most wonderful part of this? The most wonderful part? Um, 
definitely, I mean, meeting, meeting my daughter, but you know, that's the obvious answer. But I think also, you know, because I, I had, I had been close to 42 weeks and close to that, you know, ticking clock of, okay, well, we have to go to the hospital now. And, you know, I have been in one way or another sort of planning a home birth for almost a decade um, because I've been interested in birth for so long and interested in physiologic birth for so long. Um, And the fact that I actually got to have that and got to have it at home and all that, I mean, that was really, I was that was really a wonderful bonus, you know, Mm. at at this point, you know, of course, you know, having a safe birth, healthy baby, healthy mama, um, is so important. But the fact that I sort of got to do it on my terms in the end, when so much of birth is so unpredictable, um, that was a really wonderful part too. Yeah, absolutely. So how did it transform you? Hmm. I think just the fact that we can do hard things um, even when you don't think you can. And I've noticed, you know, as my daughter has gotten older and in those moments when you're, you know, taking care of your baby and you just, you know, it's just a hard phase and you just don't feel like you can handle whatever challenge is going on for one more day. And then you do, um, partially because there's no other option, but partially just because, you know, you, you love your child and you just, you do what's best for them. Um, I think that capacity in myself was kind of born during labor. Um, you know, that just that whole, I can't do it, but you do it anyway. Um, and realizing that that's, that's a strength that I have and that, you know, all mamas have, um, to really dig deep, um, just out of love for your kid. Mm. That's so true. It is so true. And they take you like birth and on kids just take you right to your edge. They do take you right to your edge. They know where that edge is. Somehow they just know it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like you had a beautiful textbook on your own terms birth. But that doesn't there's not there's not a birth without taking you to your edge. Right. Right. And I find that. Somebody might say, well, if you have like a straight C-section where it's scheduled and you don't experience labor or you have an epidural from right away. And it, I find that in those cases, it's not quite like it is a birth, but you're not necessarily tapping into that. I can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. which serves you as a parent so much. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to learn it later. Like if you weren't taken to your edge during birth, parenting is going to take you to your edge is my yes. point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that was like a long way to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so there's, I, I, I appreciate the monumental event that signifies the being taken to your edge um, that people and you and everybody can recognize more than the morph the amorphous uh, right. postpartum taking to your edge if it yeah, yeah doesn't come yeah it's sort of it's sort of like a ceremony in a way yeah it's like, it's like induction into motherhood by you know a certain moment um, which is really cool and also really hard yeah yeah and doable 
We do. And doable. Yeah. yeah. And then you, and get you can to do it. Like, come face to face with the universe in an instant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This is awesome. I, I like. I'm, I'm. I'm just enjoying your story so much. Um, what will? What is something you want the listeners to know? Um, I listen to your intuition. Listen to your gut. Um, and that goes for parenthood too. You know, I think something that I've discovered in you know just these few months of parenthood. Um, not that I'm some paragon of knowledge, but. I think I've realized that like, you know, your baby better than Google does, which is really hard in our culture of like, I don't know the answer. Let me look it up. Um, it's really different as a parent I have found, which shouldn't be shocking, but um, there it is. And I think the same goes for, you know, when you're thinking about what you want out of your birth, like trust your, trust your intuition. Um, it, it you can't always know the answer and you can't always know what's going to happen. Um, but if you have a really strong sense about something, don't ignore that. Mm. Absolutely. And also that, you know, your baby better than Google does is going to go on a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should. I really think it should. I think, you know, as much as like, you know, sometimes we get carried away in preparing for birth and don't prepare for parenthood. I sort of feel like, in a way that was good because it, at least, you know, for me, because I, I kind of had to rely on intuition for, you know, those first months, especially because I hadn't really done a whole lot of preparing. And of course, you know, I, I knew basic baby care mm. from past experiences, but um, yeah, yeah. When it comes to making decisions about, you know, how you're going to parent doing it, you know, sort of by the seat of my pants, I found was just a lot more effective and a lot less, um, challenging and a lot smoother when I just sort of listen to myself um, as opposed to what the internet has to say. Yeah. Well, and now you also laid a groundwork of introspection and observation that not a lot of people do in terms of having that week of just getting to know and meet your child and meet your guys as a family. And like that, that sounds like not much, but it is immense in terms of starting out parenting, right? Oh, it really was. And if, if, you're able to do it, I would so advocate for that. Just even if it's a day or, you know, even if it's 12 hours, like if and it's hard, I know when you have other kids and other commitments and, um, you know, maybe, maybe not so much other kids if I think this is especially beneficial for first time moms, but every baby's different, you know? And so finding a way, regardless of your circumstances to carve out that time. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad we did. Um, I think you're right. I think it's just so it's it's a really nice way to be able to process and and get to know each other. Mm. And and I find that the second time moms and third time, like when I go to postpartums for repeat clients, even though they have other kids, they are better at understanding that they need to figure out how to carve that time out. <laughs> mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. It makes a lot of sense. And even if it's like it doesn't you you can't just like the three of you cocoon, right? Like with your yeah. newborn. But it, it includes your older child. And mm -hmm. sometimes that includes a lot of screen babysitting, whatever. Um, or the kid going off with grandparents or something. But understanding that somehow that you need to give yourself more time. Right. 
Right. And, and your family as a whole is, is brand new, even for the other kids, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Always beneficial. Yeah. Any um, name, and I know we have links for the show notes on this. Oh, there goes my sump bump. Um, we have, <laughs> we have, Hooray! Yay! It's like, of course, now is the time we're going to choose to do this. Um, of course. Yeah, there's a links that you sent me and a bunch of great resources uh, that I'm going to post on the show notes. But to those who are only listening, can you give like, what's your top things for that you would recommend? So I loved that book I mentioned, Mindful Birthing. Um, that was really a fantastic resource um, and, you know, a way of preparing for labor and even parenthood. There's a lot of stuff in there about, you know, using mindfulness in those early days of parenthood, which is, and even the later days of parenthood, which is, I think I have found to be more invaluable than I ever knew at that time. Um, so that's a great book. Um, of course, all the anime. Um, I read Birthing from Within. Um which certain pieces that were really helpful. Um, let's see what else. Um, Sarah Buckley's Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering um, is great. And, oh, I think I also sent you, you know, these aren't birth resources, but the books, um, The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding and Sweet Sleep by La Leche League. I wish that I had found both of those before uh, my daughter was born because they're great. Um and, you know, there's a variety of meditation apps. I tried to do a little meditation every morning, especially in the third trimester, which I think was really um, helpful, even just to release some stress. Um, so, yeah, so a lot, there's so many resources, mm. um, but and those the were podcast. especially great. <laughs> yes, and the, oh my goodness, your podcast is is so amazing. I'm and just I, kidding. It's, I'm I can't just kidding. wait. No, no, you shouldn't be kidding. It's, it is such it's such an amazing resource for so many different topics. You, you cover so much and you talk to so many amazing birth professionals. Um, everybody should listen to it, whether they're pregnant or not. Thank you. And I, and you know what, um, it makes my life easier because when I'm talking to clients and I'm like, there's this, listen to this one and listen to this one and listen to this one. <laughs> like I just, I can point people to stuff that I know is good. <laughs> yeah. It's very efficient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Thank you so, so much, Vanessa, for, for sharing your story and, and just for, you know, yeah, all the wonderful things. I, I'm looking forward to your kids growing and you being more active as a childbirth educator because I think your community is going to be very well served. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say. And it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can see pictures of Vanessa and her baby and her birth. And you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sibersky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. <laughs>